Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. I'm Julie Douglas. Julie, do you remember studying, writing papers, all that jazz back in high school and college? Now I'm doing jazz hands. (laughs) Yes, I do remember it. I recall frenzy um, activity happening at the 11th hour. Yes, I remember. Yeah, I remember staying up like all night to write things in college. I remember getting up early to do homework, then being late as I ran off to class and then Mm -hmm. finishing the homework in class or skipping lunch to do a homework assignment due that afternoon. Everything was always the last minute. Right. And this is called the student syndrome, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's really common. I'm sure everyone at some point, particularly in, in, in their student years, experienced this where you were just putting everything off because you were making a deal with yourself saying, oh, yeah, I'll do it in a couple of days. I'll do it in a couple of hours. And mm-hmm. then, bam. Because there's always something more um, entertaining or worthwhile to do in the present uh, than uh, later on. And I'm sure that that would have been something like other studies rather than beer consumption or well, no, well, other libations. Well, I did not consume libations in, in college for the most part. Okay, but it, but so it would, what, what would you have occupied well, yourself with? Well, it would have with? been stuff like, um, you know, Team Fortress or Quake or something, I guess. You know, Okay, yeah. other leisure activities. Yeah, I, I wasn't exactly living it up most of my uh, college career, I have to say. All right, well, I don't have any comment on that for myself. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, the pro- procrastination, it, it is a huge deal. It is perhaps an inseparable part of who we are. Everyone does it. Mm-hmm. Even the even the go-getters out there, there's something on that to-do list that's not getting um, due attention. And it all boils down to procrastination. We've been trying to, to, to fight this for ages. And right. We still don't have it uh, completely kicked uh, or anywhere close to it. Uh, so what exactly is it? We're going to discuss what procrastination is, why we do it, uh, some of the ideas out there about how we might defeat it, mm-hmm. and... Uh, and, and whether that's really an achievable goal. Yeah. Can you really vanquish it? Yeah. Um, and just so you know. Can you ever actually get around to vanquishing it? Oh, uh, well, yeah, you can put a plan together. You can yeah. clean the plan. Oh, man. Dust you, it off. You can have a board meeting about it. You yes. can put together a committee to study. Oh, man. Procrastination and put together 10, like 10 steps on, on best uh, uh, standards and practices towards defeating it. Then you can blog about those 10 steps. Yes. Yeah. Um, but look, this is not a, a modern phenomenon, right? Right. Sure, there's been an uptick and for reasons we'll talk about later. But just in case you're wondering, it actually uh, came into our vernacular in around 1532, I believe, the first instance of the use of the word procrastinate. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The actual, like, English word procrastinate. Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, there's a book from 1852 called Thoughtless Little Fanny, The Unhappy Results of Procrastination. So this was on people's minds. Thoughtless Little Fanny? Thoughtless Little Uh, Fanny. Like, don't have such a thoughtless little fanny. Like, is that, is, well, never mind. No, we're not talking like, about fannies. Like fanny, because it's like, get off your fanny and do something, right? Well, maybe that's where uh, some of that came from. Who no. knows? Well, uh, even though the word is relatively new uh, in terms of human history, uh, the idea is, of course, has been around for as long as we've had stuff to put off doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's uh, if you look back in the Mahabharata, the uh, ancient Indian epic, which uh, we, we've discussed a little in the mm-hmm. past when we were talking about ancient weapons, technology yeah. and weapons. Um, and and I'm, I've been really into it because I just forced my wife to set through uh, several hours of the Peter Brook uh, Channel 4 uh, 
filmed that up to he did uh, Peter Brook did like a nine hour version of the Mahabharata, mm. and then they cut it down to like six hours or five hours mm-hmm. for TV, and then they cut that down to three hours for the DVD, and uh, it's really cool. But my wife had to suffer through it because it is a little slow. You know, you're a lucky man. Right yes, there. Okay. I am. Yes. I am. But there's a part in it where the character Bhishma is talking to King Yudhishthira, and he's telling him about these fish, right? That there, uh, there are three fish in the water, and there's a fisherman coming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is like the apocalypse for these fish. And one of the fish in the water says, uh, "All right, I'm a fish of action. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's uh, let's uh, let's hop to it. Let's get to some water where we're not going to be uh, threatened by this fisherman." And then there's another fish, and this fish is more of a thoughtful planner. And the fish says, look, I'm going to think this over. I'm going to, I'm going to do a little research. I'm going to crunch some numbers. And then when the time for action comes, I will act, and I will be prepared to act. And uh, and that's good. Both of these fish are great. But then there's a third fish, and that third fish is just like, meh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to worry. Well, is that um, fish just completely hamstrung by the idea and and therefore becomes a slacker fish? Um. Yeah, kind of just a slacker fish. Just like doesn't that isn't going to put the isn't going to act now. Isn't going to put to put forward the effort to mm-hmm. act now. Is instead going to just be like, well, what the fisherman does tomorrow is completely out of my mind. So uh, Bishma says, thus everyone meets with destruction, like the procrastinating fish who, from want of intelligence, cannot divine the hour of danger. That man again, who regarding himself clever, does not seek his own good in proper time, incurs great danger, like the Sakula who had presence of mind. So it's uh, I, it's it's really interesting. Ancient texts are already talking about you know the, the wisdom behind tackling procrastination. You don't have to act right away. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to be the the person that's like, oh, here's a here's a challenge. I'm on it. At least be the be the fish that is that is planning things out the and contemplating to fish. Act. Yeah. yeah. And as we'll discuss in this, you, you tend to see like two types of procrastination. With anybody, we're either putting off something that we really do not want to do, mm-hmm. like taking out the garbage or unloading the dishwasher or doing our taxes, something like that, or we're putting off something that we really want to do, or we think we really want to do, or we feel like we should want to do. So the you know? stakes are higher in that instance, right? Yeah. And the expectations and probably the fear surrounding it, right? If you look in uh, in uh, in Islam, the Arabic word word for procrastination, taswif primarily concerns the postponement of good deeds. So there's more of an emphasis uh, in, in Arabic mm-hmm. on uh, on procrastination as the putting off of, say, uh, you know, doing this great endeavor that you were planning, you know, and, uh, writing that book you always wanted to write or or finally donating to charity or, you know, or, or whatever your particular. So there's more of a be. lighting of the fire under the, the duff to get things done. Yeah. And then uh, hitting on Buddhism, here's a quote from um, – Surya Das, an American-born lama in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, and he says, uh, we have to stop procrastinating, pretending that we have forever to do what we want to do and be what we long to be. So that's a, he ties in this whole idea that a lot of procrastination is sort of, on some level, feeling our, well, like we're going to live forever, and we have indefinite time to achieve these various goals, obligations, mm-hmm. dreams, uh, uh, etc., C.S. Lewis, of course, the Christian writer and sci-fi fantasy Mm -hmm. fictioner, says, uh, there is no other day. All days are present now. This moment contains all moments. I really, uh, I I enjoyed sort of looking, looking around and seeing what different people had to say about it. So, so we've been thinking about it for a long time. There's a lot of philosophy and, uh, and religion tied up in actually stirring people to action and stirring yourself to action. Yeah. And and let's talk about, um, some statistics behind this too. Like what's going on here? There is a five-year study 
Actually, this is the, the irony here. It was meant to be a five-year study, but it took 10 years to complete. Oh, um, not making this up. Headlines but, love that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Journalists love that stuff. Uh, by University of Calgary professor Pierce Steele. It's a 30-page study, and it's actually pretty exhhaustive. But it concluded, among other things, that in 1978, only about 5% of the American public thought of themselves as chronic procrastinators. But now, today, it's about 26%. Huh. So the number has gone up uh Quite a bit. Significantly, yeah. yeah. And the culprit, just just guess what the culprit is, the reason why this may have gone up. Oh, let's see. The last 25 years, mm-hmm. um, I'm guessing the Internet? Yes. And all its lovely distractions? That is exactly it. Pierce Steele also attributes to the mind, uh, Minesweeper game. Uh, really? I, yeah. I never figured out how to play Minesweeper. I, I know. I thought, well, he, had a, he kept, like, and all the things that I read, there were all these quotes of that Minesweeper game. Just taking over the nation. Is it? Is it did it ever? Yeah, I don't know. no, I, I, don't I, I think perhaps being... for him. Okay, I'm, I'm going to guess that. I don't know, um, but it's really interesting because it's a hard thing to measure. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Slate.com had a great article called "Procrastinators Without Borders," and <laughs> what they were saying essentially is, okay, here is, is a study that is ripe for research. You know, how do people procrastinate in other cultures? Because you know, you you can look at Americans and you can say, okay, there's a high incidence of self-reporting of procrastinating, but perhaps that's because we're really into self-disclosure, right? Okay. Americans are, and you can say there's a high incidence in Japan, but you could say, well, that's also because uh, if someone were to say they were procrastinating, that's sort of a cultural norm of self-criticizing oneself, okay. and, and so. It would make sense that they would say, oh, yes, I'm a, I'm a procrastinator and this is part of my problem. Um, so there's, there's, it's sort of hard to measure it in other cultures and also how, how is it perceived there, right? Okay. Because we know that a, a color is a color in one culture and, and a color in a different culture, right? It's all how we sort of, uh, construct this reality. Right. Of how we perceive things. And of course, there's also something to be said about how different, um, uh, different cultures uh, perceive time slightly differently, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and this comes down to basically clock time versus event time. Yes. And there's nature time too, right? Right. Yeah. Nature time as well, which of course is just, it's, it's light out. It's dark out. Right. The sun's going, coming up, the sun's going down. Right. And so it's like, when, do, when are you planning to eat dinner? Are you planning to eat dinner at seven o'clock sharp? Are you planning to eat dinner when everyone returns to the house? Or are you planning to eat dinner when the sun comes down? Right, These are exactly. not all necessarily the same time. Right. And in, in, in uh, different cultures, it could be wildly different times that they actually mm-hmm. occur. Robert Levine is a social psychologist and the author of A Geography Time, and he maps the different perceptions of time between urban and rural settings, corporate cultures, ethnic groups, and academic disciplines. Mm-hmm. And he puts forth the idea of a multi-temporality. Okay. So he it's sort of this idealistic, like, you know, Possibly we could start to move between nature time, event time, and clock time, depending on the situation. But what you'll see is that in most Western cultures, uh, we work on clock time, monochromic time, right? Monochronic right. time, rather. And that's a linear timeline. It moves us from one task to another, where if you're in um, event time in another culture, then let's say that you make a, a date to study with someone. Mm-hmm. And you make the date for 7 o'clock. In event time, you wouldn't actually be expected to show up at seven o'clock because what might happen between <laughs> you showing up for that time and when you actually do is that a friend could come over and want to listen to music. And so it's much more like, okay, well, I'm just going to go with the now. 
Uh-huh. And it's less of a concern about the future. It's more like what's going on right now. So it's like dudism, the dude abides. Uh, yes, it's very much okay. so like this. Um, and Levine found that the quicker we speak, walk, eat and drive, um, the, the more of an economic um, boom we get right there. So the communities that are much more structured around clock time tend to be ones that, and this is no surprise, have uh, bigger economies, um, more luxuries, higher incomes, and so on and so forth. And I thought this was, inter- this was interesting, that the top five countries using the index of pace of life, as he calls it, or time consciousness, uh, from fastest to slowest are Switzerland, Ireland, Germany, Japan, and Italy. And the five slowest or least time-conscious countries are Syria, El Salvador, Brazil, Indonesia, and Mexico. Huh. Yeah. So, I mean, here you go. Here's a good example of how time and this perception of whether or not you're procrastinating could be wildly different from one culture to another. Well, having been to Mexico and having been to Germany, I can say that there does feel to be (laughs) a a drastic difference in how time is perceived and how time passes Mm -hmm. in those two countries. Well, as we know, Germany is is famous for its transportation, right, and for for always being on time um, and adhering to the clock time. Well, I have, I have, I mean, I'm, I'm not the most, uh, you know, buckled down of individuals, but, um, but I do have some German blood in me. So there, there are times where I'm like, where is someone to enforce the rules and to put strict limits and beginnings on this thing, you know? And then you reach for a strudel? Yeah. And then I reach for a strudel, you know? It's like, why, why are people coming in late and leaving early for yoga class? This should not be permitted. So I don't have a problem. I, I've got Dutch on my side, so I just oh, okay. wear wooden shoes. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's got to make down dog different, really difficult though. It does. Yeah. It does. It's a challenge. Yeah. Um, but so the question then sort of becomes like, how, how do we become motivated in these different atmospheres, um, in different environments? And it's interesting to note that, that Lady Gaga actually enters this equation. Yes. And doesn't she always? <laughs> uh, I guess she does. She's always interjecting herself in these, uh, philosophical, uh, discussions, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, uh, we were, uh, there was, uh, we were of course referring to, um, a psychology today. Uh, blog post or, or article, I think blog post slash article, mm-hmm. um, that was uh, talking about uh, basically pitting Lady Gaga against the secret. Because uh, Lady Gaga had this thing about where she gets these awards and she doesn't put them on the wall. She, like, throws them in a the closet or something. Right. She sort of bragged. Well, yeah, I don't know if you say bragged, but her advice to an up-and-comer was mm-hmm. – Hey, don't don't get all excited about whatever awards you've been given. I just pretend like they don't exist anymore. I take them down and I take it down to the studs and then I have to get those awards again. Yes. And uh, yeah, and the name of this article was uh, The Motivational Wisdom of Lady Gaga versus The Secret. And we'll have to throw a link in the blog post we do with this. But uh, it, it concerns Sigmund Freud's uh, idea of the irrational libido, the part of our psyche that lives for immediate pleasure. All right. Which actually ties into a lot of a lot of the, our discussions here about procrastination mm-hmm. because it's about you know it's all about like this present us and then dealing with a future us that feed is feed the id yeah feed the id and give it its instant gratification right mm-hmm. so um to in order to accomplish this immediate uh, pleasure the libido uses what Fr- uh, freud uh, termed a primary process where it produces a memory image of an object needed for gratification in order to reduce the frustration of not having been gratified yet. Okay. So basically this would be and like an example of this would be like if someone was like, man, I sure, uh, I sure wish I was a rock star. Mm-hmm. That looks great. And then you imagine yourself as a rock star and you just sort of sit there in your, you know, your high school class or your, or behind the wheel and you sort of stare, stare off into the distance and see yourself as a rock star. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, Scratch that itch 
And then the, the itch is scratched, and you're like, ah, okay, I'm dead. I'm good. Now back to what I was doing. Okay, so this is the fantasy part of it, right? And this, yes. is, this is how it relates to the secret. Yeah, we imagine everything from revenge to accomplishment, uh, you know, wh- whatever it may be, uh, without doing anything. And we receive the pleasure from the image alone. Mm-hmm. And then, then, of course, the secret, on the other hand. Can we say what the se- secret is? Can we be sued for revealing the secret? I don't think it's a secret anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, it has that red stamp on the cover. I know, it's so but, official. But I hate to break you know, the seal, it's, right? it's been on Oprah and yeah. and uh, all sorts of stuff. I'm sure a lot of people are, are familiar with the concept, at least, right? Sort of this law of attraction. It's like you imagine it and make it real? You you put out the, your your wish for this thing, mm-hmm. and then you put that out into the universe, and that, that I'm, I know I'm probably massacring this, but uh-huh. I will admit that I have not read this book, so this is my piecemeal understanding of it is that once you put out that wish, that energy, then that is going to attract uh, your wish fulfillment. Okay. So that well, you, it comes to you, whatever it is. I have, I have read other things that kind of, that make similar arguments for this idea of manifesting what you want in your life. And so some of these even take a sort of quasi quantum physics approach by, you know, sort of like looking at the idea that all possible realities exist somewhere. So if you were to focus you could force yourself into the physical, into, into the alternate realities where the desired events have transpired. So there is a reality where I'm a rock star. There's a reality (laughs) where I clean up after rock stars Mm -hmm. and all I need to do is focus hard enough and I can move my current self, uh, toward more toward the rock star persona than the rock star cleaner upper. Okay, so there's a problem with this, though, if you're actually motivated to fulfill this for yourself, right? And that's where Lady Gaga comes in, Mm -hmm. because she's relying on an expectation that she has that's a framework based on her past experiences. Right. So she already knows what it takes to get to this goal and fulfill it. Right. And not only that, she's created a, a, a lack, right? Because mentally, she has removed those awards those accolades from from her um from from becoming a symbol that is okay. already fulfilling so she so she's her desire she may think it's like like man i wish i was uh famous and successful and then she looks up at the awards and she goes there i am and then like and then day accomplished and so she takes them off and she's like oh yes. I wish i was accomplished and famous and all that and then she looks up and the wall's empty and she makes a little frowny face the, and she sees nothingness stuff, right? Yeah. right and then she starts to levitate like a zen buddhist um, the, I made that part up. <laughs> so um, o- over the last decade, as, as this, this article lays out, there was a study at uh, New York University, and they, uh, they they took they used three different groups to study which of these approaches is more successful. There's a fantasy group that essentially follows the path of the secret here, mm-hmm. and they imagine uh, what they have already desired uh, having come true. All right, and then there's a control group. That's the the baseline. People just do left to their own de- devices. And then there is a mental contrasting group. And this is uh, this is like the Lady Gaga model okay. where they mentally contrast by fantasizing about what they want. And then immediately afterwards, they compare where they are now with where they want to be. So this would be the whole like, uh, you know, fantasizing about being a rock star and be like, oh, that's that's kind of cool in my head. And then you 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 know, you suddenly you're back in reality and you're like, whoa, I'm not a rock star at all. Mm-hmm. And then. Perhaps imagining the steps that would take you to that desired reality. So anyway, uh, the results show that the Lady Gaga styled mental contrasting always does a better job than, p- than pure fantasy. And so the suggestion here is that the the secret mode is uh, is kind of flawed. I just love the fact that that someone took Lady Gaga's quote about taking all her platinum records down, and and it's something like she said something like 
I pretend I haven't sold a damn one and I've got to do it all again. Like they took that quote and then they applied it to a study. Yeah. Along with the secret, this book, the secret and, and bore this out. I think that's pretty great. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that's how you do it. You get the, you take the science, you throw uh, Lady Gaga or a really strong uh, verb in the headline and you got yourself a, a science news story. It's got legs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a minute right here after the break, we are going to talk about whether or not there's a unifying theory of procrastination, why we do it. And we're going to talk about how you can overcome your procrastinating ways. This podcast is brought to you by Intel, the sponsors of tomorrow and the Discovery Channel. At Intel, we believe curiosity is the spark which drives innovation. Join us at curiosity.com and explore the answers to life's questions. All right, and we're back. Are you ready to listen to the rest of this podcast, or have you been putting it off? Procrastination. Me? See? No, no, um, you have to finish this podcast. I do? We're, we're halfway through. It's like that. I'm going to go grab some water. It's like that quote from Macbeth oh. where he's wading through the blood and he's like to... to to turn back now, I'd have to wade just through just as much blood to see it all the way through. So that's where we are. We've got to wade through the rest of the blood. Wow, you're dark, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like it. So, uh, so yeah, we're talking about procrastination. And, uh, is there a unified theory? Mm-hmm. Because, um, we, we, we discussed that, uh, we discussed humor in a recent podcast and we talked about a, a unified theory of humor where they say, what is humor? Well, here you go. I'll lay it out in like a few different steps complete uh, explanation. Can we do that with procrastination? In theory, we can, right? Okay. And so the temporal motivation theory posits that motivation can be understood by the effects of expectancy and value, which could be weakened by delay with differences for rewards and losses. So what we're talking about here is motivation equals expectation times value over impulsiveness times delay. So if you plug in the conditions of a scenario and the denominator, that that impulse in the face of gratification, right? The what would be the underneath expectation and value, mm-hmm. if that is weaker than the proposition of a good chance of a successful outcome, then you are less likely to procrastinate. Okay. Which sort of feels like a dumb moment, you know, like oh yeah, okay, of course because you would think, right, that if if it was a good chance that you were going to do great at this task, Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you, you didn't have really a, a good reason to put it off that you would get it done. Right. So that's where I kind of, that's the point where I say, well, that makes sense, but we're, we're crazy humans and we're sort of flawed in our logic. And sometimes we do things to, to really mess ourselves up. You know, we self deceive or we make something bigger than it is. And so we don't accomplish something because we, even though we're excited about it. Okay. Right. That's, that's the problem I have with, TMT. Okay. But to, but to break it down, again, it's basically we're more likely to do the things that we expect to succeed at, and we typically discount future rewards in favor of immediate rewards, mm-hmm. which comes down again to I can have fun now versus acing that test tomorrow. Right. Or I can not have fun now and ace the test tomorrow, which is more real. I'm not having fun now. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah, me, yeah. I want the fun, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, this uh, instantly brings to mind uh, something called a Ulysses Pact. Oh, yeah, you were is, telling um, me about this. this is... Which is a great, uh, to refresh, of course, it's the, the myth of Ulysses, you mm-hmm. know, um, who's, uh, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's he's on the ship, he's sailing, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he knows the sirens are coming up, the the beautiful naked ladies that crawl out of singing the ocean. Singing to him. Singing to him. And they will lure everyone to their deaths. They mm-hmm. will sing so beautifully, and they will be so absolutely naked 
that all the men on the ship will climb into the water and drown. Uh-huh. So Ulysses is a, he's a pretty smart cat. So he's like, this is what you're going to do. You are going to tie me to this mass mm-hmm. and tie me so tight that when the naked siren starts singing, um, future me won't be able to do anything about it because past me is brilliant. So it's like it's past Ulysses versus future Ulysses, mm-hmm. and he binds future Ulysses. And then when future Ulysses rolls around, he's like, oh, my goodness, somebody untie me. I want to go drown uh, with these naked ladies and and past Ulysses. Like, ah, ha, ha, I got gotcha. Yeah, well, and I think what's interesting about this is that he's got the long-term goal in mind, right? Yeah. So that's really – and we're going to talk about this a little bit uh, more about how you do vanquish procrastinating, but that's – a really big, important part of that. He's got the past experience to draw on, mm-hmm. and he says, naked ladies, yeah, I've seen them before. My big goal is to get past you guys and live. It reminds me, did you ever watch Strangers with Candy? Oh, yes. Do you remember Jazzy? Oh, who's Jazzy? Jazzy was the uh, like the old jazz singer band teacher that was in one episode, but he would um, he was really attracted to the ladies, so he had to put a, a post-it note on his hand that says, don't touch the girls, Jazzy. And so there's a scene <laughs> where he's like reaching after um, a girl's Hinder mm-hmm. and uh, and then he yeah and then he sees the the post-it note and he goes ah you're too fast for me and uh, it's hilarious but but it's a sample so it's like the opposite of the uh, Ulysses pattern. no no it's the it's exactly the same it's past Jazzy um, influencing future Jazzy and saying hey future Jazzy don't do anything uh, uh, I see I see so the post-it note was yes 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 yeah but so a uh, Ulysses pact is uh, is sort of the the same thing and it's the I it comes back around to that idea that we're always going to go for the the immediate Pleasure is more, is, is going to appeal to us more than the distant pleasure. Even if mm-hmm. the immediate pleasure is something as fleeting as candy is good versus the distant ple- pleasure is, uh, is living longer or being healthier. You know, you can tie this into any number of addiction scenarios. Well, and you were telling me about, I think, the ultimate example of this that you heard on Radio Lab. Yeah. This, it was the, it was where, all right. So what can go up against this? What can out, what can defeat the immediate desire for pleasure? If immediate, uh, if future greater pleasure won't do it. And the, the thing is, you need something that you have in the present really strong. So there's a really strong emotional feeling. An outcome that's so repulsive yeah. that you would be completely shamed with yourself. So this, yeah, this lady was trying to quit smoking. So she decided, she made a pact with herself, ironclad pat. If I smoke, I will donate, um, a whole bunch of money to the, uh, KKK. 5,000 bucks. Yes, $5,000. And she was a, you know, she was a big civil rights supporter. So this was just, Against every, the idea of doing this was stood against everything she believed in. Mm-hmm. It would be like the, the, the ultimate, like not only just humiliating, but she would be supporting, um, a, you know, a racist group that, uh, that she despises. Mm-hmm. So her current, her, her current sh- shame, her current displeasure, uh, you know, however you want to frame it, her, her current, um, adversarial position to the, to the KKK, uh, way outpowered the, present urge to smoke. Right, because she would say like, she'd wake up in the morning and she'd reach for a cigarette and she'd think, oh, no, I can't. Right. I cannot do this. Yeah. It's kind of like future. Fu- it's like a future Jazzy was calling up present Jazzy <laughs> and present Jazzy's like, I don't know, future Jazzy, if you were here, maybe you could talk me out of this, but you're not. Who? And then and future Jazzy's like, well, who's there? Who can actually talk to talk to him? And he's like, oh, I'll call up his revulsion to this. You know? Right, right. So. Yeah. That's all Jazzy needed. Yeah. So it, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and I think what's interesting about that, again, is just going to this idea of, like, how do you really overcome procrastinating? Because yeah. we're so good at self-deception again. And uh, this is from a side blog, How to Avoid Procrastinating, Think Concretely. And there's there's a clue right there. You have to be uh, 
less abstract and more concrete about the decisions that you make. So, and, and also about how much time it's going to take to do anything. Oh, yeah, Hofstadter's yeah. law, right? Yeah, Hofstadter's law that says that anything we think about doing is basically going to take longer than we think it will. Even if you take into account Hofstadter's law, it's yeah. still going to take longer. Yeah, like there's no... Yeah, it, yeah it's got it, a recursive quality to it. Yeah, so we end up with it's called the, you know we end up with the, the planning fallacy where right. we plan to do something and we're never going to time it just right. You can you can pencil in eight different things to do on your vacation day or in your work day, and you're not going to get to all of them because everything takes longer than it should, or you're not factoring in travel between the things. You know. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what what are your tips here? Of uh, my tips? Yeah. Um, Not that we normally give tips, but, you know, we're res- researching this. We thought we'd share it with you guys. Okay. So I ran across a number of different uh, suggested ideas. One is um, the idea of setting up dummy goals. Mm-hmm. Like don't set up big goals, but set up dummy goals. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like and, – and part of this uh, – or the, the source I was reading this on uh, compare, uh, tied it into the paradox of hedonism, mm-hmm. which is if you seek happiness or pleasure, you won't find it. But if you set a goal of, say – Winning a karaoke challenge, uh, you might ha- just have fun trying to achieve that. So, in a way, it's kind of like shoot for a lower star, <laughs> and and you just you know it's kind of like setting more realistic goals, but also setting dummy goals along your your towards your ultimate goal. Okay. All right. So there's there's this idea of structured procrastination. You can't defeat procrastination, but you can structure it. You can turn one negative quality against the other. Uh, and this comes from John John Perry, a uh, professor of philosophy at Stanford University. Mm-hmm. And it basically comes down to, all right, procrastinators have excellent self-deceptive skills. So uh, in, so you have this to-do list. And like we were saying, one of the, the big things about procrastination, we all have a to-do list, and we never end up finishing it, so we're always unhappy because we have an incomplete to-do list. Right. So he's saying, all right, you have your on this to-do list, uh, move an item that you need to accomplish further down the list. Like say, say your number one goal for the day is to actually sit down and do your taxes. And then you have things like um, clean out the dishwasher mm-hmm. and, um, you know, feed the cat, right. mop the floor. All right. So we've all been in this position. You really don't want to do your taxes. So you find yourself achieving these, uh, going after these other uh, achievable goals, like, mm-hmm. ooh, like doing my taxes is going to take forever. And I'm not really certain about my ability to do it right, mm-hmm. but I can wash that floor. I can feed that cat. I can, I can unload that dishwasher um, uh, at a at a perfect level of uh-huh. uh, of success. So you end up doing those things you can you feel you can su- succeed at better. But anyway, the uh, the structured procrastination idea is to not put the taxes. At the top of the list, mm-hmm. put it a little further down, and then you will end up uh, skipping the <laughs> other things. You'll be thinking like, "Oh, I don't want to just unload the dishwasher. I hate unloading the dishwasher. What's up? On my, what's else is on my list? Oh, taxes. I'll go do my taxes, so I don't have to do the, the unload the dishwasher." And I cannot say I really buy this idea. Uh, I was about to say that seems like you know you're trying to fool yourself into doing your taxes, and, and you're a little bit more wily than that, you know? Yeah, I feel like I'm too smart for for that particular. Well, tactic, and no, I, even I, if I'm the one pulling it off. I also say that doing those those little tasks always makes me feel like I'm readying my brain for accomplishing the bigger uh unwieldy task. Like clearing the slate. It's kind of Yeah, you know, uh, pruning pruning the field of my mind and you know, so to speak. Yeah. So that when I sit down and and you know, I have actually like no other recourse now cuz I've exhausted my list and I sit down and I have to do it. Well, it's like in a video game, say you're fighting Three lesser opponents and one like stronger opponent, mm-hmm. and it's the idea of picking off the three smaller ones, yeah. So they're not nipping at your heels when you're trying to tackle the really dangerous exactly. opponent. Exactly, 
Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know if that works for other people, but, you know, it's certainly, <laughs> I mean, it is procrastinating, yeah. but it's helpful procrastinating if you actually follow through with the final thing that you're wanting to do, right? I do like the feeling, like if, if I'm working on stuff for, there are a lot of different tasks that fill our days here at How Stuff Works. I mean, and it ranges from really cool stuff like the podcast or writing an article to more mundane things like picking out which blogs to put on the, the homepage or, mm-hmm. you know, things of this nature. And I feel like even, even though those smaller tasks are not necessarily very skill intensive, mm-hmm. I like the feeling of having the the day cleared to tackle one one challenging and or fulfilling right. yeah. uh, task. Yeah. yeah. And I think you'll see, too, a pattern there because a lot of people will wait until that task um, or rather wait until later in the week to fulfill that big task. So they've gotten all the other stuff done. Um, OK, let's talk about animals. Is, is, it, is there a possibility that animals procrastinate? I don't think so. I mean, um, I, anybody who has pets, tell me when you have ever seen your cat or dog procrastinate. Because generally they have certain needs, and when those needs arise, they will take care of them. If the cat or dog is hungry, it will eat or beg for food. If if it needs to use the restroom, uh, it will at least try to go outside or go to its required place of mm-hmm. toiletry. So Yeah, yeah, you don't see a lot of procrastinating but how would you I and mean, then the, the other behavior thing is, is is hard to report right right because the other big <laughs> thing is they don't have a lot else to do i mean yeah. it's not like they have a lot of long-term goals dogs and cats or or any animal really even the really herculean tasks uh that uh, that various animals uh, uh engage in such mm-hmm. as like long distance travel or some sort of like complex or taxing uh mating ritual they're just going to do them there's no putting it off it's just that's what you do. And they don't have any, any additional tasks. Like they're not wanting to become rock stars or write books or, or do their taxes or anything of this nature. Well, we don't know their hearts. Maybe they do want to become rock stars, but I will say this, uh, slate.com again, the article procrastinators without borders talks about lab induced procrastination in animals. So it's really important yeah. to, to, talk about that lab-induced. James E. Mazur, he's a psychology professor. He was studying the procrastination habits of pigeons, and he trained them to peck illuminated keys at irregular intervals in exchange for a tiny wage in bird feed at the end of their workday. I know all of this is crazy. The wage was higher for the birds that worked most consistently and didn't take any breaks. In the end, pigeons turned out to be such layabouts that even a fourfold increase in food could not incite them to peck in a timely fashion. This may be the most ridiculous thing I've, I've ever heard. I mean, it's, it's, it's insightful. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is like wasted science or, you know, Shrimp on a treadmill or anything like that. Did you say shrimp on a treadmill? Oh, yeah. It's the latest thing making the news is that, um, you know, it's like certain groups politically love to rail against uh, scientific studies that they they judge as ridiculous and Mm -hmm. pointless. So they'll pick out one little aspect of a study, such as shrimp on a treadmill. And then they'll go nuts over it. And be right, like, okay, right, like right. Money, you know, university or oh, tax money is paying for shrimp on a treadmill. Whether tax money is actually involved, mm-hmm. or if the study involves a whole lot more besides shrimp on a treadmill. But at any rate, um, the idea of teaching uh, t- teaching pigeons to progress, and I mean, it's it's such an artificial scenario here because you're taking an animal, yeah. and then you're imposing this very human. You're giving system them a on wage. Them. You're giving of them a seeds. wage and a task, uh-huh. and then. Then you're judging them on their ability to, on, the, on how steadfast they are with this, with this 
stupid job you just gave them. Well, see, if if anything, I think that it just can, like it points to the fact that procrastination is inherently a human invention. And it's probably just a clause that we have in the invention of time. Right. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like we've we've given these pigeons some stupid things to do. Mm-hmm. And then they're not that really into doing them. We give ourselves so many stupid or unachievable things to do. And then we have a hard time uh, rallying uh, to go do them. So it's it, it it's actually a very telling uh, study, I think. Yeah, that's what I think. It's just, it just keeps pointing back to the humans, not the animals. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why, like, why did you invent taxes? Why, why do you have these taxes to do every year? Because you're, you know, it's like, like, that's the, the, the same system. We invented it and we're not, we're not that into it. So we, in, by inventing complex tasks and long-term goals, we invented procrastination because it's just not, it doesn't really gel naturally with the brain that we've evolved. Well, you know, if you're following the matrix, uh, theory, then it's just one of the ways to occupy ourselves, right? Yeah, I guess. So that we just don't all die in the vine. <laughs> we need something to get our hackles raised up about. Speaking of hackles, I got a couple of emails from folks who uh, commented on our Parasomnia podcast. Oh, yeah. This is the one about the crazy sleep and extreme sleep. Yeah, extreme yeah. sleep. And I think at one point you had mentioned that you know people should... You know, contact the doctor and get the sort of medication that might need. And I made the the remark, which was sort of out of context, um, that uh, I think I said something like, "I'm not one to seek sleep aids." Okay. And so this raised the hackles of a couple of people because they interpreted that as as me saying like I don't condone sleep aids or medication. So I just want to make a clarification that I do condone medication and sleep aids. Okay. Um, I think that I had said that, and I was trying to remember this, because we had had a previous conversation, and I had said something like, I don't usually use sleep aids, but I probably should. Right. So yeah. that's the out-of-context part. Well, and, so then, and then, of course, the added layer that, like, some sleep, there are certainly sleep problems, and then there are sleep problems. And, right. And I, uh, I don't think uh, either of us... Um, have had to really deal with actual, like, real hardcore sleep problems. Like, uh, oh, no, I, I mean, some people, yeah, they are completely, you know, uh, dogged by insomnia for four or five nights in a row. So, and uh, obviously those, you know, at, at any point, whatever someone's personal choices to make with uh, sleep medication is, you know, that's their own choice and they should pursue that. Um, and I, sh- I should uh, also mention on a, a lighter note, there have been times where we have said Richard Attenborough when we, of course, mean David Attenborough. David Attenborough is the naturalist who has given us so many great um, uh, you know, shows up on uh, BBC and Discovery, uh, so much great narration, so much uh, messing around with animals. His brother Richard, basically... Sir just, Richard. Sir, well, all right, Sir Richard. But basically, <laughs> I mean, for all my money, uh, all he's done is he got eaten by a dinosaur once. So there you go. Or maybe he didn't. He didn't get eaten by a dinosaur in the movie, just in the book. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, David Attenborough, he's the one we like. Yep. So there you have it. If you would like to keep up with us, uh, find out what we're blogging about, what we're podcasting about, what we're thinking about podcasting about, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. We are Blow the Mind on both of those. One word. Yep. And I'm very curious to know what your favorite procrastinating activity is. Yeah. You know, what do you do to, to put off the inevitable? So, uh, and if it's listening to this podcast, keep it up. Yeah, that's right. So feel free to share with us at Blow the Mind at HowStuffWorks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Fork staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Yeah.